Hello, and welcome to the Park Baptist Church Podcast with Pastor David Blakely. Our goal is to preach the Word of God in a real and authentic way, so you are filled with the Spirit to guide you through life each and every week. To learn more about Park Baptist Church, visit parkbaptist.com. And now, Pastor David Blakely. This morning, I want to begin by reading the entire um, chapter 40 of Isaiah. And just to kind of paint the picture, Isaiah 40 is uh, God is speaking through the prophet. And what he is doing is he is letting them know that they are about to be delivered. They have been in exile. They were carried off into slavery by the Babylonians, and they have been living in, in a, a state of slavery for generations. And they are about to be set free and, and allowed to go back to, to um, Jerusalem. Now the problem is, is they, they're, they're a defeated people. They're very broken. Uh, they've reached a point of, of no return. And so... Isaiah chapter 40 is setting up the fact that it's reminding them of who God really is. They, they had forgotten God. They had, they had pulled away from God. And so this is an important chapter uh, in, in reminding people of who we have in God. And I also want to point out that in Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11, it tells us that when God's word goes out, it doesn't return void. Uh, 55.11 says, So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So what I am hoping and, 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 and counting on by faith is that as you hear God's word this morning, it will not return void. That, that as you hear it, God will inhabit his word and he will have a powerful, profound effect on you. So Isaiah chapter 40, beginning with verse 1, it says, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her hardship is ended, that her iniquity is pardoned, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, Cry! And I said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like a flower of the field. The grass withers, and a flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Go on up to the high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, 
herald of good news. Lift it up. Fear not, says the cities of Judah. Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who, that are with young Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand or marked off the heavens with a span and closed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? Who has measured the spirit of the Lord or what man shows him his counsel? Who did he consult and who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are accounted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Lebanon would not suffice for fuel, nor are its beast enough for burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. To whom then will you listen, God, or what likeness compare with him? An idol, a craftsman cast, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and cast it for silver chains. He who is too impoverished for an offering chooses wood that will not rot. And he seeks out a skillful craftsman to set up an idol that will not move. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. Who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them to a tent to dwell in? Who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness? Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows on them and they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on the high and see, be created or who created these he who brings out their host by number calling them all by name by the greatest of his might and because he is strong in power not one is missing why do you say o jacob and speak o israel my way is hidden from the lord my right is disregarded by my god have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Are you tired? Are you burned out? Are you ready to throw in the towel? 
I think probably most every person that ever has lived for any length of time has felt that way. You know, sometimes life just gets really, really heavy. It gets hard. In Romans, it says that all creation groans under the weight of sin. Well, I hope what I have for you today is not just good news, but it's, it's going to give you a deeper understanding. Understand this, God builds our faith. We are restored, not by going on vacations, but by understanding who God is. The more we know God, the more we understand and know His attributes, the greater our faith is going to be, the greater our trust in Him will be, the greater our strength will be to to carry on. You know, when we become weak and burned out, it's because what we're doing is we are relying on our own strength and we are relying on our own capabilities. As children of God, we are to rely on Him, not ourselves. It's because we are functioning in our own strength, we're functioning in our, our own will, and we're not functioning in the fullness of who God is. One of the greatest benefits of worship, and by worship I mean when we, we come to God and we begin to, to exclaim to God who He is, and we begin to, to um, focus on worshiping Him, one of the greatest attributes of that is that it teaches us about God. When we begin to worship and we, we begin telling God about His holiness and we begin to, to worship Him for His righteousness, His faithfulness, His forgiveness, His justice, His love, you know, and on and on and on. When we begin to do that, it's not because God doesn't know that about Himself. He does know it about Himself. But what it does is it teaches us about who God is. So... If you lack faith, if you struggle with not having enough faith, then what you need to do is you need to begin worshiping God for His faithfulness. You need to begin to go to the Scriptures to learn all that the Bible says about how God is faithful. And so as you worship God about faithfulness, it will build your own faith. If you lack joy in your life, then what you need to do is begin to worship God for all of the reasons that you should have joy in your life. Begin to, to worship God for your salvation. Begin to worship God for the peace that you have in your relationship with God. Begin to worship God for the grace that He extends to you. Begin to worship God for His love that He has given to you. Begin to, to look at all of the reasons why God has blessed you and it will bring joy into your life. This is how it's supposed to be. God will fill every void you have in your life. Every void, if you will let Him. Wherever you are lacking, begin to focus on God in that area of your life. Worship God for for His strength in whatever area of weakness you have. You know, if you struggle with money, I know no one here does, but if you struggle with money, 
then begin to look at God as the source of your resources. Understand, begin to worship God for God's provision. Begin to understand that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. That, you know, that, that's, that's a picture image of God's limitless resources. And the, so the more you begin to understand how God meets your needs, it will build your faith, it will build your trust, it will, it will cause you to grow in your connection with God. And, and this is what we are seeing in Isaiah chapter 40, because it is reminding these people who are broken, who are destitute, who are, who are just done with, and, and they, they are being reminded of who God is. And so their, their strength isn't based on them. Their strength is based on God. This is so critical for us to understand. When we turn to God and we begin to trust God and we begin to look to God, then the strength we have is not our strength. It is the strength of God in us. And there is no limit to God's strength, to God's resource. In verses 28 through 30, we're reminded that it doesn't matter who you are, you're going to be tired, you're going to be worn out, you're going to get broken down. It says, even young men become weary, even, even the, the healthiest, you know, the big strapping strong guys reach a point of exhaustion. But God, on the other hand, has no limit. There is no, no point where God says, phew, boy, I'm tired. I really need to sit down. My back hurts. You know, the, the, God doesn't say that. And, and people will say, well, wait a minute. Didn't God rest on the seventh day when he created the earth? Genesis 2-3. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from his work that he had done in creation. People say, see, God even had to take a nap every once in a while. No. What we need to understand is that God was setting an example for us so that we would understand because we are so dumb that if, if, God does, if we don't pay attention to what God teaches, we'll work seven days a week. And then we get worn out and then we get broken and, and then we begin to, to have haywire go, go off in our lives. We're not intended to be able to go nonstop. God understands that, so He set the example. Now, in, in verse 29 it says, He gives strength to those who are tired and more power to those who are weak. Now, in the, the contemporary English version, it says giving power to the tired and reviving the exhausted. Now, anyone in here feel emotionally exhausted? I, I know I, I certainly get there. This is very similar. This is kind of, obviously, this is in the Old Testament. Jesus said something that is very, very similar. In Matthew 11, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Did you see that? Do, do you understand? You know, the, the Jews were, were broken. 
They were in exile. They, they were destitute. They, again, they had thrown in the towel. They, they were basically at a point of saying, it doesn't matter anymore. I don't care. Just I, nothing's going to happen that, that's good. And what they needed to understand is that God is always the answer. During World War II, from August 7, 1942 to February 9, 1943, was the battle known as the Battle of Guadalcanal. And Guadalcanal is one of the Solomon Island chains. And um, th this battle was particularly gruesome. All of the Pacific battles were, were really tough, but Guadalcanal, um, due to the weather there and due to just the intensity of the fighting, very often it was hand-to-hand -hand combat where no quarter was given. It was just brutal, awful combat. Well, Cindy's great uncle was part of an army unit that was landed on one of the smaller islands. And their responsibility was to clear out the Japanese on that island, kill them. And then they were to um, be watchdogs and, and they were supposed to observe enemy movements out in the ocean and report, report what they were seeing. Well, not long after they were landed there, the Navy, sorry Navy guys, the Navy, fearing that they were going to be attacked by a superior Japanese uh, force, withdrew from the area, leaving them stranded on this island. And after months of being on this island, their food had run out, their ammunition had run out, their their uniforms were nothing other than rags. They were suffering from dysentery, dengue fever, malaria. They, um, they had jungle rot. They, they were in horrible shape. And oh, did I mention this island also had cannibals living on it. So they are in a tough, tough way. And they had finally reached a point where they knew they couldn't go on any, any longer. And so one morning they gathered what was left of them and they were trying to decide, where do we go from here? What, what do we do? And they, they had a couple of options. They could continue to just try and make do and in a few days they would all be dead. Or those that still had a little bit of strength, they could swim out and hopefully get picked up by a Japanese patrol boat and become hopefully prisoners of war because that was a better option than dying a slow death on this island. Or they could just end their lives right then and there. Those were their options. And so as they're gathered on the beach, one of the men had a, a, a Gideon New Testament little pocket Bible. It had the New Testament and the Psalms in it. And they're all sitting on the beach, just the handful that's still alive. And they began, he began reading from Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and the earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. 
Well, as the man read from Psalms, everybody there just kind of naturally looked up to the hills because the verse said, you know, we look to the hills from whence does our help come? Well, to their astonishment, what they saw coming out of the trees down to them were the headhunters, the, the cannibals. And they were so destitute at this point. Their, their weapons were basically useless. They were either completely out of ammunition or their weapons were so corroded from the weather that they, they were just essentially useless. And so they, they thought, well, I guess here's our answer. We're going to die by, by these cannibals. Well, as the, uh, the, the group of, of cannibals got closer to them, the leader of the cannibals crawl, calls out in a clipped British accent, Hey, blokes, could you use some help? <laughs> they were dumbfounded. What on earth is going on? This is how God works. Years before World War II ever even started, an English missionary's airplane had crashed. And he had lived the rest of his life among these cannibals, these headhunters, and they had been converted to being followers of Jesus Christ. And so now, instead of coming down to kill them and take their heads, they were now their rescue. From where does our help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Amen. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. We need to understand that God is already way out in front of whatever problem you are dealing with. You think it's new. You think it's unresolvable. You think it's bigger than you are, and it may be. But it's not bigger than the God who holds the oceans in His hands. Understand that. Now back to Isaiah 40, verse 31. The people who trust, the people who wait upon the Lord will become strong. They will rise up like an eagle. They will run and not grow weary. The word wait there can also be um, translated as trust. It's a Hebrew word that speaks of active anticipation. It's when a farmer plants his crop and he waits for the seed to come up and he watches the plant develop and he watches the fruit grow. That's the, the anticipation, the looking forward to. And, and that's the way we are to look to God. We're looking to God, not with, oh goodness, you know, I, poor me, what's so, you know, everything's going wrong with my life. In, in other words, what we're doing is we're looking at God saying, God, I'm waiting to see how you're going to come through in this situation. Again, it's the idea that God's energy, God's vitality is transferred to us when we look to Him for trust and, and faith. Well, how does this happen? It happens when we understand that our hope is coming from God, not from ourselves. You are not the source of your, of your help. God is. 
you know, and, and understand that. And you may think, well, I'm the one that works and I'm the one that does this and I'm the one that does that. No, God gave you the energy to work. God gives you the, the intelligence to work. God gives you the food that you eat, the roof over your head, the car you drive, everything about your life comes from the hand of God. And so you need to live with that type of mindset. You know, it, this is a promise of God saying, I will give from my superior strength and wealth. I'm not giving you some little piece of morsely garbage. I'm giving you from the storehouse of heaven. I am providing for you. Now, again, remember the Israelites, they were worn down. They were broken and, and their outlook was, was really dark. In Isaiah 40, 27, it says, God, the, the, the Israelites, the, the Jewish people were saying, God pays no attention to us. He doesn't care if we're even treated unjustly. And again, don't we do that sometimes when life doesn't go our way? We think, well, why doesn't God like me? God doesn't even care about me. God's not even paying attention to me. But the reality is just the opposite. The Bible tells us that God knows how many hairs we have on our head. God knows every idle thought we have. God knows when a sparrow drops dead. If God knows all of those things, God knows what's going on in our lives. And so Isaiah is, is trying to help the people understand that there is strength in God and that the people need to, to change their outlook. You know, they, again, these people weren't just weak in their body. They were, they were broken spiritually. And so they had reached a point of just not caring anymore. And again, we get this way, don't we? You know, let, let's be honest with ourselves. <clears throat> You know, we, we reach a point of just saying, I got nothing left. I, I have nothing more to give. I'm, I am a dry well. And when you find yourself in that position, recognize it's because you have been trying to live out of your own resource rather than living out of God's resource. Change your perspective so that you are living with a focus on God and saying, God, I'm, I'm coming to you for strength and guidance and, and renewal. I'm not trying to conjure it up in myself. That hopeful expectation, it, it's the belief that God will come through for you. You know, in the midst of hardship, Jesus is the only place that, that we're going to find hope. Again, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus wasn't some politician who was trying to get your vote. He wasn't just saying what needed to be said so people will feel good in, in that moment. He is God in the flesh. And so as a result, He is saying, Turn to me, trust me, rely on me, and I will meet the needs that you're struggling with. This is what Jesus has done for you already. He carried the burden of your sin and your judgment, and he took it to the cross. Understand that. 
You know, you can't carry that burden. If you try to, you're going to wind up spending eternity in hell. You know, when a person comes to God and say, well, I did it all on my own. I'm here and I take responsibility for all my actions and here here I am. And God's going to say, well, if you choose that, but welcome to hell. That's, That's what awaits a person. But when we come to God and we say, God, I knew I couldn't carry the burden of my sin. I knew I was a failure. I knew that I couldn't measure up. And so I am asking Jesus to be the one that covers my sin. I am trusting that what Jesus did on the cross, He did for me. And when we do that, God says, welcome, good and faithful child. This is what we are to understand There are no John Waynes in heaven. There are no individuals that say, I got here on my own. I didn't need nobody. Those people are not going to be in heaven. Hell is going to be full of people like that. Heaven is for people who say, I recognize that I'm a sinner. I recognize that I fall short. I recognize that I don't have what it takes. And so I am relying 100% on God. That's what we have to have. Now, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, If I must boast, I will boast about the things that show how weak I am. Now again, that goes against our American mentality, and that certainly goes against the way most guys think. You know, we're all, I can do this. You know, I don't need help from nobody. But, but that is contrary to what the Bible teaches. Let me, let me try to pull this together. Again, it goes against the grain of who we are to be weak to be tired, to be broken, to to have a a sense of helplessness. None none of us want to be that way. None of us want to feel that way. None of us want to admit that. But the reality is, is that is how we are. When we look to God, God is all powerful. God is all strength. God God is everything. And we are nothing. And so for us to stand up and say, I can do this, I don't need help, is just ludicrous. That is not the rapper, by the way. That that is just dumb to to think that. The reality is, is we, we are helpless. And when we understand that and admit that, then we are finally in the right position. Paul said in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He didn't say, I can do all things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. That's your your message there. That's what you need to understand. To get out of bed every day, you need Christ to do it. When you have a project, you need Christ to do it. When you have homework, you need Christ to do it. When you have a job, you need Christ to do it. When you have anything, you need Christ to do it. And when you begin to live in that understanding, and you begin to understand that it's Christ in you and Christ through you, then you can begin to accomplish everything. 
But until then, you're going to continue to be falling short, falling short, falling short. At the end of life, we're going to all stand before God. And he's going to take all that you have ever done. And you may look around and think, wow, look at all I've accomplished. Look at all of the successes I've had. Look at all of the things I did with my life. Look at all the money I made. Look at all of the possessions I have. And God's going to look at it and, he say, and he's going to say, anything and everything you did apart from Jesus Christ, burn up. And it's going to go... <laughs> And you're going to be maybe standing there with a little tiny speck in your hand. I can do all things through Christ. If it's not Christ, it's gone. It's garbage. It's ruined. It's useless. Change the way you're approaching your life so that only through Christ are you functioning they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, the most important thing I think that any of us can ever say to you is we need you. I need you. I am a broken failure apart from you. I am absolutely nothing. And the reality is, is that's okay. Because it is only through you that my life will have any value or any significance. And so, Lord, I just pray that right now you are speaking in the hearts and the minds of every person that is a part of this service. I pray that your Holy Spirit is... is hard at work in our hearts and our minds, helping us to understand that it is in our helplessness, it is in our weakness, it is in our failure that we find the greatest strength in you. Lord Jesus, please help us to make the, the change necessary to die to ourselves in such a way so that you are lifted up and you are honored and you are glorified. Thank you, Father. Help us, please, now for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.